Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join, Join our descent, descent into villainy. Okay. We're back. Yeah, we're together again. Whoop, whoop. It's been so long. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're coming at you. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, it's been a while. There have been two episodes without yeah. one of us. Yeah, and then last week, mm-hmm. you didn't hear from us at all. Yes, we hibernated. Indeed. <laughs> you get us when you get us, and you're going to like it. Per. <laughs> Step one to villainy boundaries. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, today we have a little bit of a halloween episode. <laughs> We're going to talk about the word spook in the Ooh. history, you know. <laughs> Spicy. Indeed. You probably either are like, what? What are you talking about? Or you totally know what we're about to say. The girlies who get it, get it. Yeah. (laughs) So let's get into it. (laughs) First, the word spook comes from the Dutch word for apparition or specter. That's like, yeah, that's where we're starting. So Dutch settlers brought words like cookie, which is a little cake from the Dutch word koekje. There's also the word stoop, which, you know, is some doorsteps or a small porch. And also, of course, what we're talking about today, spook. So at this time, around the turn of the 19th century, the New York area was New Amsterdam. And the usage of Dutch words kind of spread from that like center. The noun was first used in English around this time and over the next few decades as it spread it also showed up in other forms like you've probably heard spooky or spookish and the verb to spook. So what do you like know about the word spook? Do you have any like background knowledge from before today? Yeah I had heard about the origins of it but I think fairly recently I think I was definitely past college at this point Mm -hmm. I think I saw it on a Facebook post or something which you know the university of Facebook but it just (laughs) I couldn't find it before today's episode though but yeah and I saw that I was like dang like we really can't have shit like nothing sacred in this country like yeah just the fact that it gets used so casually and most people don't know yeah that it was used very recently like it wasn't some Something used hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but like in the 70s when my parents were born, you yeah. know, just like recent. So just yikes. Yikes, yikes on, on bikes. bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that it's the rare kind of niche knowledge, the origins of this word. So I have some notes and fun fact, I actually wrote these notes originally for like a video that I made for a Halloween show like a year ago. (laughs) So I kind of, you know, beefed them up and did more research. But since making that video originally, people, you know, within my inner circle even still use that word pretty casually. Like it's just not something that people take seriously, it feels like. And that happens with slurs. Very much so. It's really crappy. And that's how you get professors dropping it in class and not getting any disciplinary action for it. Indeed. Which is an in real life example. So just... Yeah, uh, we're going to get into it. (laughs) And first, to get into it, a lot of this started 
in World War II. Okay, so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about World War II just to get the like historical context of how this word is used at that time. And it was used to refer to Black Army pilots who were training at the Tuskegee Institute. They were referred to as Spookwaffe, Waffe being the German word for a weapon or a gun. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Tuskegee. Do you know anything about like what Tuskegee was? Yeah, so I know Booker T. Washington, he founded the Tuskegee Institute, which I believe ties into where you're headed with the World War II connection. Yeah, so during World War II, which like just to orient ourselves, happened between like 1939 and 1945, under the direction of the NAACP, a Howard University student named Yancey Williams filed a lawsuit against the War Department to compel his admission to their pilot training center. This was problematic, you know, they didn't want a black person in the pilot training center. But eventually, in January of that same year, Secretary of the Army Henry L. Stimson authorized the formation of a black pursuit squadron, and so they just segregated it that was their solution to that and that unit was supposed to be called the 99th pursuit squadron then a couple months later this is in march president franklin d roosevelt activated the all-black world war ii fighter squadron and this squadron activation was the first step in what the research or what the reading interestingly calls the test Airman experiment, which feels like interesting wordage. Yeah, which also the the famous Tuskegee experiments that came from that. So yeah, it just gets worse and worse the more you look into it. But big yikes! Honestly, all the way around. Like I really feel like I only got the tip of the iceberg doing the research yeah. for this. <laughs> but yeah, so that experiment eventually allowed black people to enlist in the military. The perspective was that they were testing them to see if they could do the things the white soldiers could do. Wild. Like they had to fight to be recruited in the army. I can't even wrap my head around that. It's like, please let me fight for this country. Like, yeah. what? So they had to fight to do that. They're like, mm, I don't know if you're good enough to die for us. Like, just, Yeah, what the hell? The whole thing is just wild from start to finish. It but... really is. And then fast forward like 20, 30 years later, and they're like trying to arrest Muhammad Ali for evading like draft. And it's like, which is it? Which just one is it? Like Entirely. So in July, which is oddly you know a little bit later so this is escalating kind of quickly but in july 12 aviation cadets and one student officer were reported to tuskegee institute and they started flight training as the first black pilot candidates in the u.s army and then by november those four cadets and the student officer passed and were transferred to the tuskegee army airfield for basic and advanced 
advanced training. They graduated in March of 1942 as the first class of cadets to graduate, and they became the first African-American military pilots, and they're now known as the Tuskegee Airmen. So when you're talking about the Tuskegee Airmen, these are the people you're referring to. When they were working, they were, you know, obviously, how do I phrase this? They had to deal with racism. Right. Still. Right, of course. Because just because they were in the army didn't make <laughs> anybody less racist to them. I mean, it the way. And this manifested in lots of shitty ways, including that they got sent on like double the number of combat missions as their white counterpart. I think I saw in the notes where normally the white counterparts would get cycled out after 50 combat missions, but mm-hmm. they were regularly going on like 130 missions. Like, yeah, just wild and absolutely fueled by racism like there's no other explanation so yeah they they started calling these black men who were enduring racism from every direction spook wafe fun little pun they made just so that kind of is the first time spook got really linked to mm. blackness and yeah it wasn't long before it became like recognizable as derogatory mm-hmm. or as a slay right like just to call it what it is call a spade a spade so to say <laughs> the word had a bit of a renaissance in the 1970s with the release of a novel and then also a classic film the spook who sat by the door mm. by sam greenlee did you get to look at that in the notes at all oh about how it's like a, about a spy but also a black person and it's kind of like a satirical like yeah tongue-in-cheek double entendre like yeah yeah it was referring to both his spyness and also his blackness yeah so you just can't claim that this word doesn't clearly have a history of being used to describe black right. people because there's plenty of examples and this is only the first one we're going to go over like another movie turned book right after but basically the spook who sat by the door refers to like the spook in the title refers to a black person and also has the double meaning of a spy basically it tells the story of dan freeman also naming your character freeman i don't know it's kind of just like hit the hammer net or exactly like a bit much you know it's a bit too direct but whatever so dan freeman was the first black cia agent and he was recruited as a token to address a politically inspired controversy over the agency's lack of integration so basically he got placed in a post where like lots of people saw him but Mm -hmm. he didn't actually have a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. you know much how like black tokenism works (laughs) yeah so the title of the book is a play on words because his job was to sit by the door and be seen and also he was a spy so he was the spook by the door wow yeah layers yeah like an onion no sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh shrek (laughs) we'll get back to shrek soon don't you worry we just needed a break there (laughs) but yeah so dan's actual agenda in taking the job is that he wanted to receive like training in spy crafts and combat training and stuff and he was going to use his position to like study global conflicts mm-hmm. and he was going to use that knowledge to try and you know save 
his area like mm. save his neighborhood where he's from which was somewhere in chicago so yeah and this book like does have a little bit of a black revolution happen but it notably doesn't really end in it succeeding like it kind of stops being like at the point of oh they're in the middle of the revolution mm. like we don't get to see the conclusion boo yeah hate that it ends kind of Mm-hmm. abruptly yeah you don't get to see the conclusion of if they succeed and whatnot though i did also note that no exchange in the book between freeman and a white character takes place without like some kind of hostility happening which honestly that tracks yeah <laughs> anywhere there's a black person minding their own business there's a white person upset about it ready to go we'll never be alone truly yeah <laughs> i had actually never seen that original clip I saw that clip earlier today of that white woman in the park and she's on the phone with her dog and the black guy is literally just standing there he's just standing there recording and she sounds so panicked he's like he's threatening me and my dog it's just a mess like it was wild but yeah just mind your own business some white person's gonna be riled up somewhere <laughs> about it then our next example Ooh, where buddy. spook shows up is the 2000 book and 2003 movie the human stain by philip Roth. what a title number one. <laughs> oh, and the tea that comes from this fucking book oh oh my god it gets so traumatic it's so spicy oh my god it's the best thing i've seen in years it's so good so what happens in this novel it tells the story of a professor at a new england college who is forced to resign after he calls two african-american students spooks so he's taken attendance basically And he calls the name of two students who aren't responding. So, you know, they're not Mm -hmm. present. He says, Mrs. Cummings, Tracy Cummings. Okay, Mr. Thomas, William Thomas, still not here. We're halfway through the semester and I've not seen these folks. Can you tell me, do they exist or are they spooks? (laughs) Love the sound effects. (laughs) So we see that scene and then it cuts to he's sitting in front of a board of people right and a woman with a very karen-ish haircut you know (laughs) very much that vibe she says were you aware that tracy cummings and william thomas were african-american oh he says how could i know she says well you are aware of the connotations (laughs) so indirect for what yeah you know, and then he gets all sassy. He's like, ghost. I was referring to their ectoplasmic character. Okay, Boyd. Okay. <laughs> and then he takes out a dictionary, which is such a white man. Such move. a white guy move. Even if you were going to do that, it's like, who do you think wrote the dictionary, bud? Yeah. Like, they love to do that. And it's like, y'all don't understand how deep this shit goes. Like, just Truly. believe us. Like, yeah, there's no need. Especially since, ironically, the dictionary does not aid his point. Right. It, they, and most times they won't. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, someone literally points out another guy in the room says, there's a second definition. Right there next to it. Literally. <laughs> and it says derogatory Negro. Like, right. bro. Just 
something else. And he just gets defensive. He just says, I've never laid eyes on them. How could I know they were black? And he just eventually starts yelling. He gets very upset. Yeah. Very upset, as they do. And he ends it with a nice defensive, to charge me with racism is not only false, it is spectacularly false. Getting sorry, this is my Vietnam. I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Not my Vietnam. Uh, is it okay? So run me through the libel thing again. If it's true, it can't be libel, right? Like, what I, I think we're about? I think we're talking about slander. Since slander, we're talking. right, right, right. But yeah, for something to be slander, you have to be able to prove that someone was aware what they were saying was false. Okay, so nobody, so nobody said anything false. I'm not gonna say that what they were saying is false, right? This is a true account of what happened in my time in college. Like, I just... <laughs> yeah, I just mean, make sure <laughs> you can change people's names if you like. I feel like that's normally what people do. Yeah, it's just fascinating to me because I asked if this was based off a real-life example. Mm-hmm. And then we got into some juicy details. Not only is this based on a real-life example, but we found a very juicy open letter from the author to the New Yorker to Wikipedia about who this is actually based on. And we got pages worth of details details about the man this is based on and the man it's not based on it was a lot it was so much (laughs) but it's wild because i know at first we thought this was like a hypothetical like some white guy getting anxiety about oh what if this happened to me right there's no way that this would have happened especially in like 2000 or 2003 right yeah but then it did and i just in 2016 i had a professor drop the hard r literally set blank work with her full chest this like 60 year old woman from Georgia, like old white lady. Oh, nah. And she's tenured and she runs an anti-racist institute for this college and everything. And I went to the department head and they were like, well, she was just quoting the word. There ain't no way. And then I skipped class that night because I was going through some things. It was a bad night. But she yelled at the whole class. She's like, I can't believe somebody couldn't just come and talk to me instead of going to my department head. And then the next week, two weeks later, she typed out this like, three page apology letter like i am so sorry i don't know what came over me never in my time have i ever said that word (laughs) and i just it's just wild to me it's like damn like this man got fired over saying spook and yet what so it's just like we have to take this word seriously one because it's like that happened recently there's a history of this word being derogatory and then two if we don't take it seriously that's how what happened in 2016 happens like yeah they just take it less and less seriously But yeah, you mentioned the open letter. <laughs> oh, that open letter! So, you know, let's let's get into it. Basically, <laughs> our boy Philip, you know, he did not like things that he read about his work on Wikipedia. And I'm gonna put it out there: Philip's racist. Just if oh, you go for to, sure. If you read this letter, just be prepared for like bunch of weird shit. <laughs> but, oh yes, so Philip has lots of things to say about oh, a black, but a black, a quadroon, and a black. Like <laughs> oh, that's just nasty, nasty, nasty. Yes, yeah, nasty business. I do not like this food. And he also like throughout the whole letter, he is defending the person who said like the whole thing. Yeah. He's like. He was erroneously, like, unjustifiably, they tried to take down his entire work and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was mad about it. It's wild. But just to get the bare bones of it (laughs) out there, he starts off saying, I am Philip Roth. I had reason to recently read for the first time the Wikipedia entry discussing my novel, The Human Stain. 
So just say you got curious. Right. Like, <laughs> anyway, the entry contains a serious misstatement that I would like to ask to have removed. This item entered Wikipedia not from the world of truthfulness, but from the babble of literary gossip. There is no truth in it at all. Uh, well. <laughs> Bro, chill. <laughs> so many words. <laughs> yeah, basically he's saying he's got a bone to pick with y'all. He says that the novel was described as, quote, allegedly inspired by the life of the writer Antoine Broyard. This is what he takes issue with. He says it was actually inspired by a quote unquote unhappy event in the life of my late friend Melvin Tuman, professor of sociology at Princeton for some 30 years. Yes. Princeton. Princeton. Mm. Of course. I love how he goes on to describe not only the entire life of Melvin, but the entire every interaction he's had with the other guy too. He's like, these are the four interactions I've had with this man total 30 <laughs> minutes like he goes off like he there's so many details that are just yeah so extra in there he's like i did not know that other man yeah <laughs> like uh, relax but yeah and he experienced the same inciting incident as in the novel right mm-hmm. he called two african-american students spooks who weren't present he said the exact same thing supposedly yep. like do they exist or are they spooks you know And then he notably calls it a witch hunt that ensued. What a dog whistle. (laughs) Yeah. During the following months from which Professor Tuman, rather like Professor Silk, that's the character name in The Human Stain, emerged blameless, but only after he had to provide a number of lengthy depositions, declaring himself innocent of the charge of hate speech. So I guess I think this is where my confusion was because I read that they emerged blameless. Does that not mean they didn't wind up losing their tenure? I guess it was after all these depositions. So I wonder if like an initial ruling was like, you're losing your tenure. Yeah. And then he had to come back and do all the depositions. So I don't know. Okay, I, know I do the- think that's what happened. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. Because yeah, I thought that it was notable that like after all of this, they, they won. They emerged blameless. What the fuck? Then why are they so mad? You wrote a whole novel. They wrote a whole novel. A whole novel. And then still writing to the New Yorker an open letter to Wikipedia. Like, clearly yes. still invested in this. Yes. The man's Actually, dead when, now. When was that open letter written? Because the Good book question. was written in 2000. The movie came out in 2003. So I'm curious, like, how long he waited before deciding he was True. curious and wanted to read his own own wikipedia article let me see 2012 2012 i was not expecting that me neither 2012 bruh wow is this man still alive what's he up to philip what you doing (laughs) i thought you said he was dead no the melvin guy's dead oh okay yeah so i guess our boy waited nine years before he decided oh. to say something about this and then he passed away in 2018 probably the stress of all this of yeah. course but <laughs> you can't carry that much vitriol in your system and be okay he aged like he was racist too <laughs> Like, you know those white people, the way they age, you're like, oh, you were racist. You like a raisin you on concrete you in the sun. You retain water for shit. Roasted. But... Jerky. 
Yes, so that was our boy Philip. This has been a PSA for moisturizer and sunscreen. And water. <laughs> if you would like to not be who we're making fun of. Moisturizer, sunscreen, yes. water. Good luck. What a concept. <laughs> so yeah. Also, the term witch hunt. I mean, you already said it, but like, what a dog whistle. What a dog whistle. It's just rooted in nothing good. From the, yeah. like, they're, they're talking about a, a literal witch hunt, which was rooted in misogyny and racism or like yeah. you know like it just it, it doesn't there's no good application i've never seen a good person use that word like yeah it's always guys who are like oh there's a witch hunt on being a white guy literally with, like oh, witch hunting christians mm-hmm. and like bro get out of here okay yeah so <laughs> then he also in this open letter bro for some reason starts speculating about whether his his buddy was black yeah he mentions that he was out as a jewish person but amongst the waspy professor academic atmosphere of princeton like his negroid features oh, his right negroid like, features. like 2012 like when i was reading it i was like at first i was like oh this must be like the 1950s i'm like <laughs> no wait the book was written in 2000 it's after 2000 right Okay, not good. No. And 2012, and you're calling, you're going around <laughs> saying Negroid features still? Like, yeah, it's get out uh, of here. Awkward. <laughs> get out of here. It says his lips, his hair, his skin tone. He sounds obsessed. Right? <laughs> Why are you looking at him so hard? This is not the queer representation we wanted. <laughs> but yeah, he said people wondered if he might not be an african-american passing for white this was another fact of mel tuman's biography that fed into my early imaginings of the human state so he was so mad about this entry he was like let me spill everything like let me just every speculation everything about this yeah. man instead this man who's now dead and can't respond either so it's yeah. just like he really did all that for what <laughs> and if you're curious it really is an interesting read but- <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. It will be where the sources always are. <laughs> On our website. Under sources. Okay, so to wrap things up, because we're in the home stretch yeah. now, you know, the word spook hasn't only gotten fictional people in trouble. Like we just talked about this last story was low key based on something real or high key rather. Yeah. <laughs> but one example I have here is in 2010, which I guess is before the open letter incident. I which, didn't realize that when I was writing the outline. This the timeline, timeline is wild. Like I just... <laughs> You could not tell me 2010 was before this letter. Like, I would not have believed you 10 minutes ago, even. Like, I just... I'm shook. Yeah, so in 2010, Target uh, apologized for selling a Halloween toy called Spook Drop Parachuters. Oh, no. Oh, yes. They were miniature black figurines with little orange parachutes. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's wild, too, because even if we just, if we only had the World War II example, one, my grandpa was born during World War II. He's alive and well. Yeah. Like, we have grandparents alive who were born when that shit 
started. Yeah. And then there's been more evidence since then. So it's like, we just can't even argue with it at this point. So it's like, that's weird. Like, that's weird. It went all the way to production. Like, and they were army guys that were black. Like, you knew what you were doing. Get out of (laughs) here. It's just wild what gets past the marketing team. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, hope you learned something. (laughs) Hope you're more careful with your words. Though it feels like almost a lost cause because this word's so ubiquitous. Yeah, it's so many people use it and they genuinely don't know, right? It's okay if you don't know, but it's the fact that people aren't even receptive once they do know. Yeah. Once people do tell them like, hey, like my parents were alive and that was like getting thrown around as a slur actually. Can you not? Right? And people are not generally going to be, oh, it's it's like, oh, it's my quirky little Halloween word. Like whatever. It's just like, it's not worth. Just countless, countless advertisements for burlesque and drag shows that I've seen this year in my city that have like spook in the name or spook in the branding. And I get it. It's common, but you can get more creative, right? Like there's blood curdling or spine chilling or aghast. I don't know. Get creative, right? Like you can avoid harming people with a little effort. And it genuinely like it's okay. Okay, like not only can you put in effort to learn these things beforehand, right? But then if you do get called out about this shit, just take a moment, take a breath, and then like reevaluate and figure out the next step. Like it does not have to be a whole big thing, right? Like yeah. you can make it very seamless if you're just willing to like shift this a little bit. But yeah, I think that's all we have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got one thing from this episode, it's go read that letter. It's yeah. On the website, go read, go that read it. It's so bonkers. Like. We have a website. We have a website. (laughs) And now it's linked on Spotify for your convenience. Yeah. You can open the see all because probably I wrote a long ass description. (laughs) So click see all. Click on the links. Visit our website. You can tip me. You can tip them. If you got something. Give us a We'd love that. (laughs) So yeah. Music by Audionautics.com.